Welcome to the North Seattle Parent Education Podcast, and thank you for being here because this podcast is designed just for you. We know that parenting takes a village, and we're here to help. Tune in while you're working, driving, even cooking, and we'll provide you with valuable information each episode to support you as a parent. North Seattle Cooperative Preschools are held at many locations for ages infant to five years, plus kindergarten class and other community sites. And remember, we're always enrolling. And now, here's your host, Tanya Hino. Hi, welcome, welcome to Parenting Takes a Village, Season 2, Episode 1. Today, our guest is Kate Barrett Dye. She has a BA in Early Childhood Family Studies from the University of Washington, a Master's in Teaching from the University of Washington, a Certificate in E-Learning and Instructional Design. Kate is an innovative educator and instructional leader. Originally from Toronto, Canada, she has found her forever home in the Pacific. Pacific Northwest with her family. Guided by her principle of always putting students first, you can find Kate chasing a very active three-year-old and taking long walks around Wallingford with her husband and dog, and usually with a stop for ice cream. Hi, Kate. Welcome. You're going to talk to us about building empathy in young kids. Yeah. Hi, Tanya. Looking at your experience, it looks like you are the perfect person to talk about this. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So professional. Um, I am a teacher, you know, always first an educator, third and fourth grade specifically, and then, you know, moved into more instructional coaching. My primary current role is the social emotional coordinator at the Meridian School. So what that entails is curriculum development, professional development, and community well-being, and really focusing on the strength of our social emotional well-being program for our kids. Wonderful. And you are also a mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a mom to uh, Hudson, who is three years old. Uh, He's pretty cool if I do say so myself. (laughs) Yes, of course. Um, Tell us, as a teacher, why is it important to build empathy in young kids? Yeah, I think to answer that question, we need to first kind of um, have a common understanding of what empathy is. I think even as adults, sometimes we can have a misunderstanding of of what empathy is and and get a little bit confused between sympathy and empathy. Mm. Um, So the way that I define empathy, uh, you know, for adults that I'm with and also for kids is the purpose of empathy is to develop and build connection. So it's finding a place, you know, within yourself to be able to connect with someone as they're going through something um, and know that no matter, you know, what situation that we're in, we're not alone. Thanks, Kate. That is empathy. And how would you define sympathy? So there's actually, I get my definition from a great like Brene Brown like podcast. Oh, yes. Um, but so uh, the way I think about sympathy is the way that she describes it is uh, sympathy is saying like, okay, well, at least you're not doing this or always looking on the bright side of things. And sometimes we just need to sit with discomfort or sit with a feeling that might not feel good all the time and find a place in ourselves to connect with others through that feeling. Great example of we're embarrassed to call a friend or someone they know they lost somebody. What would be an example of empathy? Because you're talking about discomfort. What would be a good example of empathy there? So with empathy, you know, uh, you would mention like, what's the what's the purpose of it? Why? Mm -hmm. Why is it important? And that leads into the question that you had asked. So empathy is all about like building healthy relationships. In order to have a healthy relationship, we do need to experience
experience vulnerability. And with that, like when we are struggling, like parents, all folks <laughs> struggle in some way and having that vulnerability uh, and that healthy relationship established with someone, whether that's um, a partner, a friend, a therapist, a coworker, like someone in your life that you can call and be vulnerable with and know that they're going to not try to, not try to fix, not try to change, you know, how you're feeling, just sit with you in that emotion. Um, and it can be really hard to find those relationships, especially as an adult. Once they're there, they're definitely something special, but they take nurturing for sure. Yes. And that is wonderful that you are working with children early age and empathy. And why is it important to build this in young kids? It's like second language. Why is it important to build empathy in young kids? Yeah. So, uh, you know, as I mentioned, having, being able to have like healthy relationship is important to start early on. So a healthy relationship, you know, with yourself and with others is a really important aspect of empathy. Um, so that trust is built really at an early age. I know like from being in the classroom, um, but then also in a role right now where I'm focusing on the health of this type of program, kindergarten through fifth grade, I see kids have a better understanding of their own needs and the people's needs around them. So a better ability to advocate for themselves, um, a better ability to understand that what they need might look very different from the person sitting next to them. And that is not only okay, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, it really just helps to build understanding in our wider community and has a huge impact on preventing bullying. Like we're being really proactive. And when we talk about empathy and specifically explicitly teach empathy, we're working on that, like being proactive around bullying or being proactive around um, self-help and things like that. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm glad you brought up bullying. And how would a child demonstrate empathy towards bullying? Yes. One thing that I try to teach in school and that we're working on at the Meridian School as well is restorative practices. And that might not title be tied to empathy, but it really is. So what a little bit of background on restorative practices is focusing on the relationship, just like with empathy. So when things kind of go off the rails, um, maybe someone's feelings are hurt or we're in a conflict with someone, the first thing that we do is we identify harm. And that mm -hmm. can be really hard for both people in the situation, the person who is feeling harmed and the person who has done harm. Both those parties identifying harm and focusing on like how that other person is feeling, what actions have led up to that conflict and what action needs to take place moving forward with the goal ultimately of repairing the relationship. There's just like a series of questions we can ask that are based in empathy and our staff is trained on how to do this so that we can focus on. We've done all this work to front load this information for kids. So when conflict inevitably does arise because it does like kids, they're small human beings, right? So that we're able to go back to those core questions and be able to like really focus on relationships and connection. Can I ask you what are those four questions? Yeah. Some of the questions that we focus on, um, you know, restorative practices is a specific type of conflict resolution, but the ones that we use specifically are thinking about what happened, what were you thinking at the time? And then what might've the other person been thinking at the time? And then that kind of like starts with that empathy piece. Like, okay, what were you thinking? Something led up to this conflict and what might have the other person been experiencing? Then how has your thought process changed? Because when we have heightened emotions, we're not feeling our best selves. We're not going to handle conflict in a way that is healthy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we think about, um, you know, what have you thought about since? Yeah. And then, then we talk about like the impact, right? Like what impact yes. has this incident had on you? What impact has this incident had on the other people in it? And then what do you think needs to happen to make things right? And I think oftentimes when we do conflict resolution in schools or even as a parent, <laughs> it's like, stop, we don't do that because like, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, don't do 
it again, but we don't actually talk about the root of the problem. I love that phrasing. Like, what do we need to do to make things right? Like, what do we need to do to maintain this relationship? Because oftentimes you don't want to throw away a really great friendship over something that happens. So it's thinking about like, how do we need to continue to be part of a community together and move forward? Oh my God, that gives me chills. That gives me chills. That's exactly, we are training the adults right now in equity, diversity, and inclusion. Yes, it's so, oh my gosh, it's so aligned. We have a really incredible director of equity and inclusion at the Meridian School, Jeanette. Um, and yeah, we work really closely on just aligning our social emotional learning curriculum and values with our equity work, because if we don't have equity work at the basis of these programs, then they're not serving all of our kids. Oh, that gives me chills. I'm glad that you're both uh, working together. Make this work for the kids and they start early about the impact of their actions. So that's wonderful. Adults have a hard time learning about the impact of their actions, facial expressions. And it's really important that you guys are doing this. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it's important work and we never stop learning as adults. So we'll we'll keep on it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And I'm so grateful that you guys are doing that with the kids. So now how early can parents start modeling empathy in children? Um, As a parent myself, I feel like it's, it's never too early. Um, And so I think about, you know, when Hudson was, you know, really little, he started noticing things right away, right? Like Mm -hmm. if I'm focusing on like differences, right? Um, We think about learning differences in schools, but kids notice things. Um, and they just don't quite have the language around how we're going to describe something. So really try to kind of like talk about our environment. You know, what are we seeing? Give him like the language behind that, even if he just sees, you know, me modeling that. And then also with him, like he's, he's three right now. He does a lot of things that like challenge my patience. (laughs) (laughs) They all do. They all do. And like, it's definitely like, even though I do this for a living, Mm -hmm. um, I make a lot of mistakes when it comes to responding with empathy to my own child. It's really, I think the biggest thing that I try to do both as a a teacher and a parent is when I do make a mistake with empathy, maybe I respond from that unhealthy place or my emotions are heightened to go back and identify that like, you know, I have made a mistake, you know, I'm going back to those restorative practice questions, like my thoughts have changed. um, And here's what you know, I wish I would have done differently. And here's how I think that we should move forward. I definitely think there's not a time where it is too young to um, start having these conversations even just thinking about the language that you're using as a family and just knowing also that it's very, very, very much okay to not get it right the first time or the first 10 times. <laughs> yeah, um, We can be really hard on ourselves as parents. We're learning it too. Just modeling that and practicing that yourself and it will become. It's a language. It's a, uh, and like you said, patience is much higher with kids that are not our children. <laughs> yeah. And when it comes to our children, they press those buttons. They know what buttons to press. And also we, imagine this this movie results oriented and the expectations we have for our kids are completely different than for the kids that we teach <laughs> yeah is uh if I could actually have a story of the, that from last weekend please please yeah. okay so we enrolled Hudson in soccer great awesome plan COVID babe has not had a lot of interaction with a lot of other folks mm-hmm. so um you know first week of soccer he was having a hard time engaging teacher side of me might have been like oh this is a really unfamiliar situation for my kids Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, like, you know, it makes sense that he wants to run across the field. It makes sense that he wants to maybe like kick down some cones and kind of do his own game because it's unfamiliar for him. Yes. For me, like my emotions, again, I do this for a living. <laughs> my emotions were you know, extremely heightened. And I'm like, I just want him to be here you know, doing what he's supposed to be doing. And that wasn't going to happen. So my response to him really was more trying to, okay, I need to like try and get you to kick the ball in this right direction.
instruction or come down and sit, like come down and sit with me, like be a part of this. And I was just like on his back about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually my husband, great man who was like, you know, why don't you take like a quick, like walk around the block <laughs> and like, well, let's trade off. Like, let's make this happen. And so we did like, I, you know, I walked around the block and we, you know, we went back this week and, you know, similar thing happened at first, but instead of trying to get him to come back to the area and tell him what he should not be doing, I decided to walk with him, which is kind of weird. Like empathy, we talk about like building connection and looking for a place in yourself that like relates to what that person is experiencing. Mm-hmm. And just decided to walk with him. Yep. And I was like, you want to go over here? Okay, cool. Like, let's talk about it. Oh, this is an unfamiliar place. And just decided to like kick the ball around with him a little bit. And it took longer. Like it took like 20 minutes out of this 45 minute session. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, you know, he was playing with other kids at the end because he'd calmed down. I had calmed down. We were feeling safer. It took longer to get that result than if I had just like tried to force him to make it happen, but it's a longer lasting result in that oh, way. Oh, that is a beautiful story. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing that story. And it <laughs> happens to all of us yeah. because we care about what people think. Are are we good parents? How dare you teach this stuff and you're not perfect? No. It's <laughs> like, how dare you teach this for a living? You should be perfect. I know. <laughs> no, not none of us are perfect. We, we are people just like anybody else. We know exactly what needs to happen when it comes to our kids. It is really hard. Yeah, it's just really like hard. our kids. Yeah, just like our kids can't make the best decisions and repair relationships when they um, aren't at the, their best selves. Like we can't do it as adults. We're human. So we definitely like, give ourselves some grace and take some time. And have empathy to ourselves. Yeah. At this okay. age, it's all about modeling. And if you're show empathy to yourself, way of modeling, hey, you know, sometimes we don't have it together. Thank you, Kate, for sharing that uh, story. That's really powerful. Can we force children to have empathy? <laughs> Um, so just like I couldn't force my son to play soccer, <laughs> we can't really force kids to do very much. Um, they are very autonomous little human beings, especially, you know, at ages two and three. <laughs> so we can't necessarily force a kid to act with empathy in the moment, especially when they have heightened emotions, but we can create the spaces that are conducive with empathy. So what I mean by that, you know, what I had just mentioned was taking breathing room, right? Like when you're trying to respond with empathy, it doesn't necessarily need to happen in that exact second. If you need to model with your kids, creating space, creating time, going on a walk, you can do that. Like these are things that you can do to kind of set yourself and your kids up with empathy. And then also just like I'd mentioned, like practicing it yourself. Um, So we can't force them to do it, but we can, you know, give them space. We can give them practice. We can model with them. And I think the most important thing, and you had mentioned this, like giving ourselves grace, we can give our kids grace to make that mistake. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So, you know, let them make mistakes, let them practice with it um, and it will become more of a habit but it's it's going to take time it's going to take time oh that's so beautiful it's kind of like when we're modeling uh, empathy it's kind of like karma yeah you do the right thing and you model the right thing and then you don't know when it's going to come back yep. at you yeah. back it's not necessarily that that's a specific moment it might come in three weeks later four mm-hmm. weeks later or maybe next day but we can do something and expect it to come back at a specific moment yeah I'm constantly surprised by the things that my son remembers from weeks ago where I'm like, I didn't even know you were paying attention, mm-hmm. um, which is the same reason why we have to be careful with like the types of words we use. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, we just, you, you never know when it's going to come back. And those moments are really special as well. Oh yeah, they're precious, definitely. Those children have milestones in showing empathy? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, that looks really different from, you know, it's, I spent a lot of time in my role thinking about elementary school. Mm-hmm. So a resource from restorative, from responsive schools that are like yards, called like yardsticks. And then we talk about, um, development, child development, ages like four through 14. But 
when we're talking about our kids a lot younger, there are like maybe not necessarily milestones where, you know, we think about speech milestones where they're saying this number of words by age two, but there are indicators for empathy. So even at the youngest age, when we start thinking about attachment, so like we talked about how empathy, all about building connection and having healthy relationship indicators for empathy can be things like parental attachment. Do you have, are you, do you have a healthy um, parental attachment? Are your kids, you know, looking to you to model behavior and being able to get kind of a reaction from you, like good and bad reaction, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are looking to get, you know, a reaction from you. And then they, you know, they start to, as they're getting a little bit older, they start to pay attention to the reactions of others. So not only parents, but you know, if I do this, what's this other kid going to do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as they're getting older, they're starting to develop a little bit more of that autonomy and independence, seeing themselves, you know, re- really right around ages two, three, seeing themselves as separate from an adult like prior to that age you they are an extension of you in a lot of ways Um, which is why terrible twos like uh, (laughs) three-year-old right like oh I control my own body and my own actions (laughs) and that autonomy is really beautiful in a lot of ways, but also can be really frustrating. So um, once they, you know, start to see themselves as that separate person, with that comes desi- like this ability to see emotions in others and be able to connect with emotions in others and see how external factors impact people and be able to start, especially around kindergarten, to be able to have conversations about how someone was feeling, how you're feeling, and why that might be taking place. But it all really starts with that like healthy relationship, and not to say that. <laughs> If um, someone who doesn't have like a really healthy attachment at the beginning of childhood, it is absolutely not all lost. Like there is so many different ways that we can build this with kids. It is about modeling. It's about um, making sure that there is someone that you can model healthy relationships with and, and build connections with. It's never too late to start and it's never too early to start. Oh, that's great. What can parents and teachers do to nurture the empathy on toddlers? I feel, I feel like a broken record saying this, but like modeling. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, I'll touch on something like a little bit, like we talked about modeling interactions and with that, with your kids and with other adults, something you had touched on as well, that I think is really important is modeling empathy for yourself, modeling self-care, whatever that looks like for you. It doesn't need to look like a trip to the spot can look like some reading or <laughs> whatever, taking a drive, whatever you need to do, like model that self-care, you're worthy of that. And that will teach your kid that they are worthy of that. You know, we'd mentioned it earlier as well, like modeling reflection, mm-hmm. we are going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. That's inevitable. Sure. Taking like a pause um, and modeling that reflection because your kids will also make mistakes um, (laughs) is really powerful for them too. This is especially difficult when we talk about what a parents need to do to nurture empathy. It is especially difficult in times of conflict, like pause and identify harm and think about what we need to do to repair the relationship, but it's extra important in that time. So, oh, yeah. And I, I don't think I have ever came to a situation where I, when I'm apologizing and repairing my mistakes with my children, mm-hmm. when they become teenagers, it's another story. Yeah. But when they're from early age, even from two, all the way to 9, 10, 12 years old, I have never seen a child when you say with real intention and say, can you forgive me for that? I made a mistake. Mm-hmm. This is where I made my mistake. And mm-hmm. let's figure out how I can repair my mistake so that I don't do this mistake again. I have never any of my kids say, nope, I don't forgive you. Yeah, that modeling, like I think, you know, my first few years of teaching where I would have a conversation with a kid and be like, I I truly like made a mistake in how I handled the situation and the look on their faces of like... 
never having like an adult, like apologize to them before, because, you know, as adults, we always want to get it right. When we talk about, you know, establishing growth mindset in kids, establishing empathy in kids, like it's okay to not get it right. And to see that is the most powerful thing. Exactly. And one of the things that positive disciplines says is mistakes are an opportunity for mm-hmm. growth yeah. and connection. And it's an opportunity to, to continue learning, showing our kids that good enough is good enough. And sometimes we'll make mistakes and that we're not all perfect and we're not expecting them to be perfection either. And that's part of empathy. That is okay. You can make mistakes. I make mistakes and let's resolve it together. Yeah. And you had mentioned, you know, like having these conversations with older kids and it's a lot harder. I think about like having this conversation with a two or three-year-old with like a much shorter attention span. So we, when we think about these really like young kids and nurturing empathy and them, one just like really concrete example I wanted to give because I always like, you know, something to take away with me uh, <laughs> is pretend play. Mm-hmm. So at age, um, you know, we might not be able to model a full-on conversation and conflict resolution with our kid and a peer, especially mm-hmm. in times of COVID. But like, we can do that with like a stuffed animal or a doll, like, oh, like they feel sad. Like, how can we take care of them? Like, have you felt that before? Like, what do you think they need? Um, So being able to do those, like that, those pretend play pieces really, really early on can be a huge help, be able to help set kids up with a strong foundation when they do have those peer interactions, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later with (laughs) with COVID happening. But um, when we're stuck at home together, you can always do pretend play. Since you're an expert on emotional coaching and and that's one of the things about empathy Mm -hmm. is understanding accepting and valuing all emotions mm-hmm. in children and uh, being able to support that because it's not just about good, bad, uh, happy mm-hmm. and angry because there's a rainbow of emotions and the importance that is that we all feel angry sometimes and we all feel sad sometimes yeah. and how do we allow them to show and show up with those emotions is important. Yeah, the way that I, I talk about that with kids but also with adults is there's always a purpose behind emotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so again, like experiencing a little like vulnerability with you, I am someone who has struggled with anxiety and like that has been heightened as you know, with COVID and with a parent. And I was talking to my therapist and something that she said, that's really powerful. And I try and send this message to everyone I possibly can is when you think about like the feeling of anxiety, that's often associated as like a negative feeling, um, no, I know. <laughs> but like, really, like when you think about anxiety, what is the purpose of anxiety? It's to protect you and to keep you safe. It's when a get um to be something that you can't control that's when it becomes something we maybe want to like curb I talk about that in in those ways with adults but with kids I talk about sadness they're like I'm I'm sad I'm like okay well like sad helps us to figure out what's important to us Mm. or I'm bored I'm like oh great boredom helps us to figure out you know what our interests are and gives our brain a break to be creative like Mm -hmm. talking about the purpose of emotions Mm -hmm. um really taking away that stigma of talking about emotions as good emotions or bad emotions at an early age. And I think it's really important to talk to your adult friends about too, because I think, you know, we were raised in an environment where we don't talk about bad emotions. So completely. And I think think emotions is the core of empathy. We can have empathy if we don't want to allow ourselves to have these emotions. And I'm so grateful to you that you're vulnerable to let us know about your anxiety. And it is true, our society and many of the countries around the world view anxiety as is a negative thing mm-hmm. but it's not introverts or extroverts negative and this we all play a part yeah and when we take those conversations out of the dark corners that they were put in and really into more of society like we're developing empathy for each other <laughs> like 
we're building a more welcoming um, community and environment, not just for ourselves, but for our kids. Oh, completely. I completely agree with you. What are some recommended books or TED Talks that you recommend for parents, not only for parents, Mm -hmm. teachers, but for kids too, about emotions or empathy? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many. I'm sure. Uh, So I actually just read one with a group of students um, yesterday morning. Uh, It's a book by Sonia Sotomayor and it's called Just Ask. It might not, it's not necessarily about empathy, but it's about everyone needs a different tool to learn or a different tool to be able to access. Mm -hmm. So it, you know, how to ask questions, um, how to ask questions empathetically versus, you know, judgmentally and really thinking about if our goal is to help students to be able and kids to be able to advocate for themselves and understand and um, appreciate others. That's a great book for that. Um, I read it with early elementary school and, you know, truly feel like it could go even up to older kids. And I learned something myself reading. I love picture books. (laughs) They're they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, When we talk about, uh, you know, as parents, some great reading, I mentioned the beginning, um, we get a lot of materials as a school at Meridian from the Center for Responsive Schools. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a book when we talk about like developmental stages, it's called Yardsticks and it has some pretty, good, you know, developmental milestones when it's about building relationships and things like that. But restorative practices I had mentioned as well, like just Google it. (laughs) There's some really great, like, yeah, really great uh, resources when you Google that. And then I would honestly say the most important resource that I can recommend is your community. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) that sounds like kind of lofty. Um, You know, I think, I think about the people in my life who've had a huge impact on who I am as a person and as a parent and how those, like that relationship started as like a co-worker and really developed into something so much more and the people in your community who are experts. So, you know, reach out, be vulnerable, talk to folk, take those conversations you're unsure about, like I said, out of the dark corners, because there's, there's so much within our community. You might not necessarily need to buy another book. Someone talk to someone. Exactly. Be open. And you know, I, that book that you mentioned, the picture book, I believe is really about empathy because asking questions and not assuming and not judging is empathy. It's listening to people and inquiring with curiosity is empathy. It is beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. If you can share those links with me later or books, picture, usually add them to your podcast. Yeah, that sounds great. I can do that. And I will probably come up with like 15 more because I I bet. (laughs) As a teacher and as a mom, like my book collection is extensive. Um. Oh, yes. I, I totally relate to that. I love books. Yes. And you have gave us tons of amazing tools. What are some words of wisdom you can leave parents, teachers, caregivers about empathy? You know, I mentioned at the top of the podcast that, you know, really having a common understanding about empathy. You know, like if the focus is building relationships and having connection, if you take a moment to pause before you react to something, before you react to your child or your, your partner or a friend, take a moment and think, is this response empathetic? And that is going to maintain and build a relationship and continue trust? Or is it going to break that trust down? So thinking of an example, someone's talked to you about a hard experience they're having with a partner. Is it going to be like, oh, have you tried this? Or like, is it going to like, is it you know, giving suggestions right away, pivoting to yourself or trying to change the subject to something lighter is not necessarily an empathetic response. Mm-hmm. So just taking a, a chance, um, you know, not 
not to say that's bad, but taking a, a second to just sit in that emotion with that person and think about what response can I give that will preserve that relationship and continue to strengthen the trust that we've established. If I can give just like one tip, that would be it. And it will take a little longer, <laughs> but the yeah. impact is going to be longer lasting as well. Well, it's about building long lasting relationship, not just fast food relationship. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much, Kate, for sharing your wisdom with us. And I really appreciate your ability to be vulnerable with us because we get stuck on, oh, I cannot do that because I'm not, I don't have a master's or I cannot do that because I don't have this. We can all reach in and be empathetic and teach empathy, empathy to anyone. We all have a master's in life. So <laughs> we're getting through it together and we're crushing it. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you for listening to this episode on how to teach your children about empathy. Kate shared with us is learning your impact of your mistakes and how creating long-lasting relationships is the key to empathy. Let us all work on our empathy and be ready to welcome all our emotions and the emotions of all people. Thank you for listening one more time. If you like this episode, please share with your friends and family. Until next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the North Seattle College Parent Education Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Visit our website for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram to learn more about our upcoming events. See you next time.